Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe, flying solo today. My name's Ed Piscor. Uh, these videos are brought to you by the books that we make on the stands uh, right now. Jimmy has the Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, TPB, collecting the Image Comics run of Street Angel books. Hulk Grand Design Monster and Madness are on the stands as we speak, and it's going to get a Treasury Edition format collection in early 2023. Red Room Trigger Warnings and Red Room The Antisocial Network are my uh, current projects right now. I'm in. These TPBs are on the stands as we speak. Each one is self-contained, so if you see one of these and, and you're curious, give it a shot. You don't need uh, both volumes to enjoy the contents of one, but if you do dig one, please grab the other. Support the project. It keeps the lights on in the Kayfabe Studios. And without further ado, man, let's, uh, let's get on with investigating... Chris Claremont's run on Uncanny X-Men. Jimmy and I did a video on X-Men 94 comparing it to that corresponding issue of Classic X-Men, which I believe is uh, Classic X-Men issue number two. Have a lot of those Classic X-Mens and uh, through the investigation of issue 94 you discover that there are kind of tipped in pages drawn by other people to try to get to try to massage the continuity to get it to to work with where Chris Claremont's X-Men was uh, at that particular point in time. Classic X-Men being the reprint series that um, would begin with Giant Size X-Men issue number one. Uh, these comics were very expensive, you know, when Classic X-Men was coming out. So it was an opportunity to give new readers, younger readers, a chance to... Uh, read the back matter. Uh, Chris Claremont was weaving a pretty robust tapestry when it came to uh, his X-Men comics, so it helped the reader out tremendously to have some access to the earlier stuff. And with issue 95, there's still a, a little bit of hand-holding on the part of Len Wein. Len Wein and Marv Wolfman uh, kind of traded editorial duties on half the books basically and and Len would write books that Marv Wolfman would edit and vice versa and those guys they cherry-picked all the best stuff Hulk, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, the X-Men was and also ran to to say the least Len was a uh, reasonably comfortable allowing uh, Chris Claremont to pick up some of that that heavy lifting uh, I believe Chris will take over the bulk of the the writing duties, if not next issue, the one uh, right after that. So where this issue begins is directly after the cliffhanger of the Blackbird jet getting destroyed mid-air. These are the new X-Men, and in a few seconds they will all be dead. How about that for a splash page, huh? Dave Cockrum on penciling duties with Sam Granger on inking. Don't know Sam Granger's uh, name too well. Don't know any other credits beyond the work that he did with uh, Dave Cockrum here, though I'm sure if I was pressed and if I dug in my back issue bins, I probably have some stuff. We made note in the issue, uh, that in the episode that where we covered 94 and uh, that issue of Classic X-Men, uh, another thing that would happen with those classic X-Men comics is uh, it would give an opportunity to the Romita Raiders to do a little touch-up art. That is a wonky-looking beast, but, I mean, if you've seen the Adventures into Fear uh, Beast comics, they, they were trying to figure him out. He didn't solidify into the very human blue guy 
that uh, he, he came to be during kind of the uh, John Byrne run. Page two gives us a little bit of catch up to let new readers know how we got into this predicament. We get a very humorous set of pages where there are a few flying X-Men who can help ease the landing of uh, the X-Men who cannot fly. Uh, but there's a lot of conversation that is able to happen within, you know, impact minus 90 seconds. This is a lot of conversation that's being had. And in fact, old man Banshee, he can only help one guy at a time. So he has to come back. He has to, he has to help Thunderbird land and come back to rescue Cyclops. Colossus, he don't need nobody's stinking help, man. He just does a straight-up nosedive, atomic bomb blast into the ground. Look at that crater. Great freaking visual storytelling by Dave Cockrum. This is a guy that has a good page count under his belt already with Legion of Superheroes. He knows how to handle team books. So if this is handled Marvel method, he's pacing a lot of this out. So it's up to his visual acumen and his storytelling sensibility to create that clarity. And he does a fantastic job juggling six, seven characters. Take it from me, the dude that did X-Men Grand Design. That shit is not easy. Look at this though, man. Cyclops almost had it. Almost had the jewel sacks ripped open. But Banshee comes through in the clutch. One of the things that uh, is established with the characters is you got to you got to come up with some kryptonite with these mutant powers that they have. So one of the pieces when it came to trying to get the landing uh, softened for the teammates, uh, it suggested that that Nightcrawler teleport people to safety. But it turns out that his speed is maintained if he teleports. So if he teleports towards the ground, he's going to be... Uh, moving at the same velocity, which uh, would probably not be a very good thing upon landing. Uh, later on, it is established that Nightcrawler can uh, only teleport to places that he's laid eyes on, and that is not the case right here. Uh, it's still early in the game, and perhaps even in Giant Size X-Men 1, it was established that he needs to see what he can where he can teleport. So throughout our readings, we'll make note of some of that stuff just because, fuck it, we're here, right? We're looking at this stuff under the microscope, so we're, we're able to get a little bit nerdy with it. Uh, all that is a long way of saying that Nightcrawler teleports inside of the mountain without having knowledge of the internals, and it all works out for him in as much as he doesn't teleport into the middle of a wall or something. Uh, what doesn't work out is that his back is to a guy called Croker, who is very mad when you suggest that he may be a frog. Gets his ass knocked out, and uh, lest, lest we forget, the main villain of these couple of issues is Count Nefaria, an old uh, Silver Age X-Men villain that proved why the X-Men were on the, 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 the downswing, because... I can't think of a more boring villain, and something tells me that the Marvel editorial staff and Chris Claremont um, are in agreement with that, because this will be the last that we see his punk ass. Still that era where there's about 17 pages of story, so you gotta get a lot in 
in a very short amount of time. But this issue is basically a fight. We had our setup in the previous issue, so now we have to have our payoffs. And you get page after page of that with X-Men versus the Anti-Men. Gives Dave Cockrum an opportunity to flex his, his fight choreography skills. The more I look at these black and white pages, I'm, 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 I'm very happy with this Sam Granger inking. Nearly a Senate approach. Heavy brush, tight brush, precision with his feathering and such. Fight, 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 fight. One by one, everybody gets dispatched and you get a good, healthy sampling of uh, everybody's superpowers, everybody's mutant ability. And when they are all dismantled, maybe you didn't realize in the fuss of it all, Count Neferia is not uh, part of this action whatsoever. Here's some real fun storytelling. Whenever you see pages like this, it does remind me of everything I've read about how Nightcrawler was Dave Cockrum's favorite character in X-Men. Gets a lot of face time, a lot of page time. We've beaten the mountain, and we've beaten Nefaria's Annie-Men. All that's left now is the good count, and we're home free. But guess what? There's a self-destruct mechanism that is underway, and they cannot disengage it. Upon realization of this fact, uh, the X-Men see Count Neferia speeding away. You have two guys who are able to handle this issue. Thunderbird and Banshee. Banshee, the Interpol policeman. Grizzled veteran. Thunderbird, the young upstart hothead character. Jet takes off. That feels accurate to me, man. Uh, I do know that Dave Cockrum was a military man and certainly has an interest in aviation. I, I think he shares that interest with, with Chris Claremont, who coincidentally bought his mother a Cessna Bonanza with some X-Men 1 royalties. So you have your hothead character, your grizzled vet, hothead jumps on the goddamn jet, and like, you know, the T-1000, just approaches closer and closer while the jet streams are trying to push him off the airplane. They're, they're straight up at a level in the X-Men video game for Genesis Sega that's like this, man, where you're on top of, you know, a, a, a speeding shuttle and meteors and, 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 and just wind are pushing you back further and further. Thunderbird is just manhandling this, this aircraft while the other X-Men are doing their damnedest to try to disengage this self-destruct Charles Xavier showing up inside the the thoughts of Cyclops and telling him that that is not an issue. Fuck your self-destruct bullshit right now. Just get your ass out there because uh, you have an X-Man in danger at this very moment. It is Thunderbird and Professor X even goes into Thunderbird's thoughts telling him to jump the hell off. It turns out that Banshee was going to be able to dismantle this plane and to stop Count Neferia from getting away, but now he's rendered impotent because he doesn't want to friendly fire his uh, his his comrade in arms, man. So Warpath, the hothead with something to prove, busts through that cockpit, and you see that that jet moving at the speed that it is, that's a doomsday course. You got a little banshee kind of flying around. 
all the rest of the X-Men watching from a distance. Very hard to capture that depth. And Sam Granger, once again with this inking, very bold lines on uh, your main figures. And then a very subtle line for these backgrounds and great textures and things. It Call me crazy. It reminds me of some of the terrain that uh, Jeff Smith inks in Bone. You know, it's that deft of a hand. Very impressive ink work. Boom. There it is. Death of Thunderbird. Who is a character I, I had no knowledge of whatsoever. I knew Warpath, thanks to Rob Liefeld. But uh, I think, was it issue 200? Uh, where I think it's JRJR who brought young John Proudstar back into the game to avenge his, his big brother. That was before my time, man. Professor X from a distance realizes what just happened. Really uh, giving you lots of explosion porn here to just let you know Thunderbird is toast. A cool little sequence where we have Charles Xavier kind of feeling what I guess Thunderbird is feeling. Very grisly if you think about it that way with only one difference. Charles Xavier is still alive. Uh, poor Banshee, shell-shocked. Shell-shocked. I begged, I pleaded. Up to this point, there were no real stakes with the X-Men. Uh, they, they, they always ended up okay. And now this new team is out there doing its thing. And on their first mission, they lose a guy. It's kind of taking this team back to the roots of what Marvel was all about in a way, where you got to give your heroes some some complications, some real some real problems, and dealing with the death of a fallen comrade on your first mission out, that might leave you a little nervous to go on a second mission. Um, they're trying to act tough. Psych is trying to be tough leader guy. I suppose it had to happen sometime. Hell, sooner or later. Happens to all of us in this business, he says. While they look at the wreckage, and boy, they seem cold-hearted. Comes with the uniform. I understand that there is time that takes place in between the gutter, and you're, at, you as reader are imposing your own thoughts on that passage of time. But to me, perhaps because of the sort of equal size of these various panels or maybe you know this one's a little skinnier it really feels like they took a look at that wreckage and dipped i think one of the reasons why the thunderbird character was taken out of rotation is because he was considered kind of redundant as they were establishing the characters and personalities of the various x-men you had a big brute in colossus who was extra strong that sort of ability it was already accounted for and Wolverine was uh, established as kind of a hothead also so the physical traits of Thunderbird match Colossus and the personality traits matched Wolverine uh, character considered a bit redundant they got him out of there chopped a little bit of the fat uh, I thought that the Thunderbird costume was uh, a really good one Probably Dave Cockrum on those duties to make that happen. But in some ways, I'm also the fan of the underdog, man. Uh, when I would catch a glimpse of a cover that had Thunderbird, or when, you know, when I would see these first couple covers or Giant Size X-Men, I remember wondering, who the hell is that character? Uh, there were these posters with the Art Adams 
classic X-Men image, uh, you know, white cover, all the X-Men on there. And I remember seeing Thunderbird there, wondering like, w did Warpath exist longer than I knew? So I would be intrigued by these characters that I didn't have much knowledge about. And perhaps that factors into my thoughts when I say that uh, I would have been very happy to have two hotheads and two strong guys on a team. Anyhow, man, that's X-Men issue number 95. Next issue, The Night of the Demon, where our characters have to make peace with what happened, is going to be the first fully written issue by Chris Claremont. Though, I do see it, there are some plotting assists by Bill Mantlo, but that is for another day. Kayfabers, like, follow, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available. And please support our comic books that are out there on the racks today, man. Uh, Red Room Trigger Warnings, Red Room the Anti-Social Network Trade Paperback, Hulk Grand Design Monster and Madness, which is going to get that Treasury Edition uh, format in 2023, and Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive Trade Paperback. All these comics are in stores right now. Support the work, keep the kayfabe studios going, keep these videos rocking, and read more comics.